Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tailford. Josh Brown, one of the only people who's finished Final Fantasy 16 so far. Check the trophy data for that. One of 27.8% of, or 17.8% of people. Oh, only 17. Right now, it's very low for the people who've done everything. <sighs> I yeah. thought it was in the 20s. I thought it was higher mm. than Red Dead Redemption 2. Maybe it slightly is. Either way, it's not a majority of people. That no. percentage will be fluctuating anyway. Um, but we're going to do full spoilers, full spoiler cast. I've been dying for this for about two weeks at this point. And I, I know that already that you're nowhere near as high on this game as I am, but I we haven't talked before hit and record because we thought we'd just go in and you finished it last night. Yeah, give me give me the thoughts. It's good. It is good. It right? is good. Isn't I, it? I'm going to criticize a lot of it today, but I want to get that out <laughs> the way first. I think it's a really good game. I yes. give it probably eight out of ten. You know, I think it does a lot of things very well. For me, it's only not higher than that because there's not one thing in it that kind of got me on a deeper level. Not one sort of mechanic or story or theme or character that kind of lived in me in the same way that my favorite games ever get into me. But that's only because I'm only grading down, as it were, because I had such high expectations going into this game. If you go back to the old podcast Uh, I did, I was crazy high (laughs) on this because, which is weird considering that I'm not really a Final Fantasy guy and fantasy as a setting doesn't often do much for me, especially this Game of Thrones inspired stuff, but I just kind of got swept up into it. It being a new numbered Final Fantasy game, the absolutely crazy response to the initial demo. Yeah. I was so looking forward to it and I had a good time, but literally 20 minutes before we started recording this podcast, Podcast, I did go and trade it in to get some money back. You did. It, so. I also want to read out something that you uh, sent me on WhatsApp where oh, you said no. in reference to the characters, I'd execute these expletives <laughs> and get rid of them. So I want to talk about character stuff as well. Well, the thing is, right, that 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 was said in a like a, a real down moment with this <laughs> game because like Final Fantasy VII Remake, it had stretches yeah. where I was just absolutely furious with what it was expecting me to do. And in my opinion, I agree with that. wasting my time. I think the pacing in the parts of the back half are kind of atrocious. So, For 16? Yes. Okay. So when, when I was when I sent you the idea that I was going to just personally kill all of the characters <laughs> in the game, that was because it was at a section where the game felt like it was wrapping up. Uh-huh. And then suddenly it threw me 10 plus side missions, more than it had ever thrown me before, it is revolving around those characters. And the missions themselves were good, but again, it was a pacing issue mm. where I thought, why have you served all of this stuff up now? This really good um, content mm-hmm. at a point <laughs> 
where it just kind of felt to me a little bit jarring. Oh, I definitely, I mean, I like the, the whole thing with this game, you talked about something being deeper and stuff before. Like it's the, it's the thing I made the Why It's Genius video on was just the idea that they instill, at least they did to me, this idea of caring for your fellow person, doing everything you need to for that person. And it can be arduous, it can be inconvenient, it can be just sort of, you know, formulaic to a degree, but because they commit to that so much throughout every single bit of the game, like if the game is one big tapestry, one big fabric, every single thread in there is all about caring for others it is all about for me it was like a a blade runner style thing where this like idea of loving your fellow person is just threaded throughout that entire game and so i like i just absolutely loved the way that it all went and i I definitely agree that in regards to just like throwing you a bunch of a bunch more side missions right at the very end right before you go fight ultima that was like oh my god there's still more to do yeah but i was so in the mindset of like yep what else do you need i'll pick up a shovel i'll i'll do whatever you want and because they pay off in that last set you know you get to do the go and walk in the field with Jill or you get to go make sure the bearers have their new village or um, you make sure the Quinton like meets Byron and whatever like I loved all those payoffs because they were, it felt like the whole thing was coming together for the mm. end like if the game is one big diamond then it was all coming back together Yeah, and I loved that feeling of like okay you get a resolution you get a resolution you get a resolution everyone is better off because of what I've done Oh, man, for me, I agree with everything you just said. I Apart love from Jill, she gets horrific. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, about we'll, we'll Jill, get to Jill. Yeah, like with um, the side missions, like I thought that oh, it was too little too late. I love the side missions that you get right at the very end mm. in terms of how they're constructed, in terms of what you're doing. But I couldn't believe that it took them 50 hours in my playthrough to get to side missions that actually took you to unique locations and gave you unique encounters yeah. and opened up parts of the map that I had never been to before and gave me these authored cutscenes that weren't just the standard in-engine ones Mm. where it's like shot, reverse shot, you can skip through the dialogue. These were properly choreographed. They were properly blocked. They were were more grand than what we had before. And I just thought, if you were capable of this the whole time, (laughs) why were the other side missions so, in my opinion, repetitive and rote and uninspired in how they were presented? I don't have any problem with the content of the side missions. Like, I'm fine helping out everyone at the hideaway. I want to like those characters. I want to role play as Clive Mm. and do the big things as well as the small day-to-day things. It was just the presentation of them. It was how, to me... Like MMO style. That's exactly. I was going to say, to me, how they felt so MMO in nature that it was like, walk to this person, press X, get a bog standard cutscene, go to this person, press X again, mission complete, he's some crafting items you'll never use. (laughs) I'm only down on them there because of how good they were at the end that I wish it was all that quality. Mm. And I might be here saying, no, it's a 9 out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10. I don't know. It's such a weird thing because it's not excusing quote-unquote bad game design, but I thought because they were so simplistic, they worked thematically with like Clive's this big multi-god channeling behemoth of a thing who's taken out all these different icons and everything else having these insane battles in space and whatever. So then the contrast of just like, oh, just helping out someone build a shelter or give them some food or make sure they have a village or have a conversation or tell two people they should talk to each other or like rekindle a family or whatever it is. Because that's so simple, it works. And like, and it doesn't necessarily excuse, I mean, because that's what I just said, MMO design, because that is kind of like Final Fantasy 14's like kind of bread and butter when it comes to side quests. Totally. Um, just go here, do this, go somewhere else, hit the button again. Um, so in a way, I was like, I kind of just accepted that as a framework. And I was like, well, what are you actually going to do with it? And then to me, it, it gained this like sort of much bigger importance 
importance because of the context it was in. Like, it's yeah. framed against these big god battles and fighting for humanity on this way bigger intergalactic scale once you find out what Ultima is and whatever. Um, so I like that stuff, and I quite like that I could mop up all these little small things. It's like, I can take a minute out of my day and do this. Yeah. Um, which is, it's weird, because it doesn't, it justified it for me, but it justified it entirely thematically. It didn't, it's not like it made the gameplay in those moments more engaging in itself. It was just that I was glad I was doing it, because I was being Clive. And don't get me wrong, like, like I said, I thought the side missions previously were good, even if they were uninspired, and I didn't hate them, because mm. unlike at the end, it only threw me like three to five at a time, and sometimes you would go long stretches of story missions without mm. getting any, so mm. it always did feel like a little bit of a palate cleanser, which was really nice. Mm. It was just, when I think back at my time with the game, I spent so long just kind of going through these MMO-style cutscenes <laughs> and doing these MMO-style dialogue uh, interactions that not didn't always feel significant to me. I didn't mm. always feel like it was furthering a theme or anything, even mm. though, obviously, I totally see your view. And some of them were good, some of them were bad. And it just kind of felt like there was too many times where I was playing the game thinking... I wish I was playing something else. <laughs> it's so weird because I, that whole, that, I guess we're going to call it like a style of cutscene where it's just like, it is, they're not going to spend the budget in a proper cutscene, like a CG cutscene. They're just yeah. going to do something in engine where a character is talking shot, reverse shot, whatever. Like it's very economical. And to me, that's like, that yes. is very JRPG. Like it's like the Yakuza series does a Dragon Quest, does it? Final Fantasy VII Remake does it. Um, I don't mind that because it's kind of just par for the, uh, par for the course. It kind of comes with the territory. It's weird as well because if I saw, if I go down the JRPG, like Eastern approach to that versus like Skyrim or Bethesda or, whatever like i mean bethesda is just as bad for it the camera zooms up to a person you have a text exchange you move somewhere else for me the difference is with skyrim it's never about the cutscenes. it's never about that level of presentation for me the stuff i was loving in final fantasy 16 was the slickness of it it Ooh. was those and um, really immaculate animations the lovely mm. compositions that you get in the main cutscenes and in the main story missions as well you mm -hmm. know there's so many unique places that you go during those um, story missions that, you know, are really well presented. And because you got that again in those final um, side missions mm -hmm. where you did get everything was authored and it wasn't just an economical way to do things. That's where I would differentiate it because I don't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily going to Skyrim for that stuff, right. but I kind of was going to Final Fantasy for that stuff, at least 16, because of how strong the game starts and how, like I said, unique everything feels, how hand crafted everything feels. So then to go back to that kind of boilerplate MMO thing didn't make me hate the game. It just kind of made me wish, you know, if you were able to spend another year or two on this game <laughs> to kind of get those sections up to the bar that you have established, mm. I wouldn't have stiffed it. Again, though, we're talking about like the difference between an 8 out of 10 and a 9 out of 10. Yeah, game. or a it 10 just, in my case. But, yes, absolutely. But it's, yeah, it is one of those things where I definitely, ex I didn't expect any more, anything more than I got. I, I, I was like, I, yeah, the amount of stuff that I actually got to do as Clive, I was most, I was mostly surprised by that. Like when they added a bunch of side missions to Final Fantasy VII Remake, mm. that was in itself like a standout thing. Like it's not like Final Fantasy for as much as it has, has like it is an RPG, a massive RPG or JRPG franchise, whatever, isn't really known for its like side content. Like there's always there are in some cases like a bunch of optional bosses you can find, a bunch of optional weapons you can go do. Yeah, I go find. So like in this case, because they double down on the whole like philanthropic mindset that like Sid has imbued in Clive, then let you play that out. I love that, but I but I am 
backed or reinforced by franchise expect- expectations. Right. And so it's those things that I go, oh, it's cool you did this. It's cool you did that. As opposed to like your expectation being like, which is completely valid of just like a standard amount of care that would have gone into any side mission. And don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think it's lazy or anything. Like video games are hard to make. You need to cut corners. You need to give some parts of the game more attention than others. Mm. Of course, the icon battles are going to get way more attention than the mission where you deliver a plank of wood to someone. <laughs> you know, that's understandable. I think... My issue with the side missions is actually compounded with the world design because if the side missions took you out to the open world and places you hadn't been before, but they were rudimentary Mm. in the same way that they are, I wouldn't have minded. I actually think I was playing the game wrong because for the opening hours, the opening 14, 15 hours, every time you got to one of those new areas that you could explore in and you would get some of the side missions, Mm. I was exploring it. I was like going all around it. I was picking up everything off the floor. Because the game hadn't like told as I hadn't at that point instructed me about how to really navigate this world. So I was scouring every part of it, right? Uh, and then when I was getting a side mission, everyone was saying, Go back to this location, go to this one location that you've already visited a few times <laughs> and then do a mission there, right? And that to me kind of made me think, I played this wrong. You know, I shouldn't have gone there first. I should have just done the main story missions or done the side missions until I was told to go there. Yes. But because it opened it up, put enemies in the field that were really, you know, enticing and they put those little <laughs> rewards in there to find, they put those chests in there to find. I thought I was playing it as not an open world game, but in a way that I wouldn't be returning to these places over and over and over again. Mm. I wish I knew that before going in, genuinely. That's, yeah, that's interesting, because I, I did do the, the thing that you just mentioned. I, I went to the next check marker. If I deviated from that path, it was only for a little bit. It was only just do a, a few, like you said, combat encounters. You can see enemies to a certain distance. Yeah. Then they start doing that stupid half-frame thing yes. where they don't animate as much. Um, so I didn't really find myself like deviating from going to those checkpoints. I only I explored as things opened up, and then when I needed the trophy to explore 100% of the maps. Right. So I wasn't thinking of it as an open world thing I was like it's because they, yeah they have certain bigger fields but like the rewards that I was finding when I you know happened to find a chest it was just like you said it's more crafting components so I I didn't I didn't take that as like do more I was just like oh here's some stuff just because we should have something here well it was because the, I think it's because the game takes and this isn't even necessarily a criticism it's just like the way it's structured it takes so long to get through that tutorial yeah and I always wondered will I need these crafting components later on mm. like I'm only upgrading stuff here and there with a very specific amount of things at the moment, but maybe it's going to blow it out and give me a bunch of things I can use these components (laughs) on. So I was kind of keeping them just in case. I was getting all of this money just in case. Mm. I was leveling up Clive just in case through these these (laughs) random battles. And that's when I realized about 15 hours in, oh, okay, you've shown me the game now after you get the time jump. It's Mm. like, okay, this is the game going forward. Mm. And I probably didn't need to have been doing this because the side missions and even the main missions will take me to these areas anywhere. And it kind of, it didn't ruin a few side missions but it definitely made them more frustrating when Mm. it said go to this place in the world and I was just skipping past all the enemies because I'd already fought them once before and I got the rewards from there so I was just kind of I just played it wrong, and that's such a shame. I don't think you played it wrong. Yeah. I think that it's a failure of the game if it if it if there isn't if it didn't bring us more in line in terms of how we both got through it. Like I said, I think some of my stuff is Final Fantasy based, where I'm just like yeah. I'm going to the next story thing because I'm fascinated by the story and the characters and the world. And if I'm spending time with enemies, it's because I want to grind. Like it's it's an op- it's a JRPG, so I want to like get some levels up. But like the combat was never that hard where I needed 
into anyway, so I just didn't do that stuff. Yeah, clarify as well. To be fair, for those first 14 hours when I was exploring and killing all those enemies, I was having a lot of fun. Mm. I wasn't, like, doing it out of a sense of obligation. Like, that's how I wanted to play the game. Yeah. Like, the game was throwing me these lush environments with all of these enemies that I hadn't seen before, <laughs> and I wanted to go out and, like, explore, see what was out there, you know, fight these guys. Mm -hmm. It was only when I realized, and this is another big criticism, how arbitrary a lot of the systems are in this game, in my opinion, like okay. the leveling up system and the crafting system and the currency system, when I realized I don't actually need to be doing this because I, I thought uh, in my naivete all of that stuff would pay off <laughs> right. and my grinding at the beginning would lead to bountiful harvests going forward. I feel like that's I one of those. How, sorry, just no. as I realized how shallow the crafting system was and the upgrade system was and the leveling up system was, I kind of realized, oh, I don't really need to indulge in that side mm. of it. That's not really what the game's strengths are. Mm. But it, like I said, it took me a while to realize that stuff. I feel like some of that to me is like a Taylor's oldest time where like in gaming, where it's like, oh, I'll keep my potions, I'll keep my stuff, I'll keep my items because all oh, you never know. And then it's like one of the most age old, don't we all do this in every game thing yeah. where there's always that person at the end of a game that has all the items that they never use. I, Final Fantasy, like legacy wise, is, is kind of known for that. You get so many items thrown at you right. um, in Final Fantasy, especially the old ones like four and six and stuff um where it's just like i, I might as well just use all of these because like they're just going to keep uh, piling up but um yeah I, I agree with you in terms of the crafting stuff i was surprised how straightforward that was yeah um it was just a weird thing where it was like i could only ever really afford like one or two things and they streamline your stats so much where it's like you have two numbers it's like yeah. you have an attack star and a stagger star which i didn't even realize what that second start was for ages stagger so, yeah, because it's, yeah. well, it's, it's like a heart, but it's halved. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, yeah. and it's got like stars around it. So I was like, is that a poison symbol? Like, <laughs> what is that thing? And I was like, oh, it has to be like stagger damage. Um, but yeah, they they streamlined that stuff to like, I guess to a fault, arguably. But for me, I was like, ah, just I go to the black, I go to Blackthorn, I go to the blacksmith, I get my new stuff, I keep going. Um, I definitely agree that like past Final Fantasies have done, I mean, every other Final Fantasy has done that way more in depth. Yeah. Um, it's interesting as a design choice because they're just sort of like, well, we should have crafting and we should have this stuff. But it's it's arbitrary. This is my kind of major criticism. I don't know if I've said that for everything, but it all <laughs> kind of leads into this. It's like the game doesn't necessarily know what it wants to be. I mm. actually, I wish it would kind of pick whether it wants to be just a straightforward action game or have these RPG systems and do them well. Because mm. now it's kind of in the middle where for me, the action is like the strongest part. But even then, I'd like it to be a little bit stronger. Right. But when the RPG elements come in, I kind of just wonder why bother? Like I was upgrading my stuff and that was funny enough. But all I had to look forward to and all I had as a reason to explore and fight enemies was another upgraded yeah, sword. Well. Yeah, I might as well, because I'm going to get another upgraded sword that mm. does 15 more damage in a few hours' time. I'm going to get some um, new armor pieces that don't actually change how Clive looks or anything. They just add right. to the numbers. And I like, like that the swords change. The swords do That's change. Nice. That's good. I, I like, you know, getting a really nice sword for the final God, boss. God, incredible. The one on the cover, yeah, yeah, which is really nice. But I kind of... I just... I want more things, which is so selfish. I, I almost feel like I'm not <laughs> even like criticizing the game on its own terms. I'm wanting more that it hasn't right. given me, but that's because it gives you a load of stuff, I think. And I kind of wish it would give me less, but focus mm. on them a little bit more. We should um, pivot over to like story and uh, like, I guess getting lost in the world kind of thing. Cause that's definitely the thing that propped up the, like those weaker parts. I just didn't care cause I was loving everything else so much. And yeah. they only bolstered that sense of escapism, that sense of being Clive or whatever, leveling up, getting better gear, um, taking on bigger monsters, doing right by the people. Like I was absolutely adoring that so much. Like I could not get enough of it. I was sad when this game was ending. Like I was legit like, oh, it's going to finish and I'm going to, what am I going to do with my time? Turns out you just play every other Final Fantasy. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just it's just that. So, um, but yeah, it was one of those things where I absolutely adored that stuff so much. And it's funny watching stuff emerge on social media where there are sort of memes of just like people looking lonely or whatever, just going like, yeah. nothing hits like this. It's like the first time that we all played through Dark Souls or whatever right, someone's yeah. first Souls game was, where there's a certain feeling to how these pieces come together. Same with Death Stranding. That game has a certain uh, energy to it, a certain feel to it, a certain vibe that when it's done, you're like, there's nothing else like that. And I found that so much in 16. And I know it's not, obviously it's not for everybody. There are a lot of people who didn't find that. Yeah. But for those of us who did, um, there is just a quality to the like the the matching of the thematics and the story push and the grandiosity of it and the music, oh my God, uh, with the ease of everything else. And it, it just comes together. And the thing is, I, I wanted that. In mm. a, in my expectations were too high. It's rare when I go into a game like expecting the world, but I did for whatever reason with this and I wanted to get that feeling and mm -hmm. I love that people did. I think it definitely has all the ingredients to give people that feeling. I understand why people are coming mm -hmm. away from it being like, I love this, I love that, I want to get that feeling back. But for me, unfortunately, the only bit I actually resonated with was when Clive was fighting Ultimate right at the very end Yes, and he's doing it for freedom because I thought, I'm also doing it for freedom. <laughs> to be free from this game. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, Clive? We're on the same page for once. I can't wait for this thing to end. And again, uh, not because it was bad. I loved the end especially, just because of the person, just because of how bloated I thought it was. <laughs> but I thought it was funny that I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm with you on this one. Oh, Let's fight man. for our freedom here. The uh, irony of 16 being half of what an average Final Fantasy game length is. Well, is it? Because I was Pretty looking much. on how long to beat, right? And uh, it took me 50 hours to play this game, and I was getting that as about average for, for 100% but... completion. Oh, okay. Because yeah. yeah, we, yeah. we both did everything in this game, which, yeah. like, that's like, I guess that's the kind of the thing. It's like, depends how. Because for me, I got lost in all the side stuff. I cared about every single side character. I like, reeled them all off by name. I was a huge fan of every single one of them. So I loved doing all that side stuff. But, like, for you, were you not checked out of that stuff as it went on? Were you like, I might as well see this stuff? Well, at the very end, when it threw me that roadblock at the end with the 10 side mm. missions, that was when it felt like an obligation. But that said, for as much as I have slagged off the side missions here, I do think they're integral into right. getting the most out of the game. Because like you said, those characters are so interesting, are so compelling, are mm. so likable in a lot of cases. And you want to follow those threads, and there were so many moments where I was playing a side mission and I thought, I can't believe this is a side mission. The stuff right. where you're advancing, the... Uh, Getting Ambrosia arcs. back. Yeah, like That's yeah. nuts that that's a side thing. The stuff that you're tying up, it feels like it's part of yep. the main game. In, and I say that as a compliment. I love it when games are confident enough to kind of allow those beats and allow those unlocks mm. uh, to just exist in the world and encourage the player to go out and get them and feel rewarded for doing so. Mm. That was when the true reward kind of came from those missions because I thought, I might have missed this entirely. I might have missed this character's resolution. I might have no idea what this character's relationship is mm. with this other character. And I thought, you know, they were s substantial in that way. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Ultima. What do you think of the, I guess the final twist that like Ultima is just this other being that's from a different world and there was a different blight over there and then they've come here, they're harvesting a new world and there's like reams of, did you find, did you find the old home for Vivian Ninetales, the whole thing that reveals the the bearers, like they like the, the idea that like there was a humanity that was imbued with magic and then they are the fallen and that's yes. why bearers are hated. I thought that was great. I thought that was yeah. a really cool little wrinkle to like the entire world and sort of their comment on humanity and how like cyclical, um, you know, abuses of power can be and whatever. Mm. I thought that for me, that was all good philosophical meat right. that I can, I can get stuck into for the rest of my life. Interesting. But at the same time, um, they do the whole let's talk to God thing. And I thought most of Ultima's dialogue was pretty standard stuff. Yeah. Like st very very standard for a last for a Final Fantasy boss, um, but it was very like you know um, they're talking like this because they're above everything yeah. and whatever. And so, what did you think of all that stuff and the Mother Crystals? And there was actually a, a whole like kind of race.
race of Ultimas and they're inside the crystals. And I yeah. like it. You know, I thought it's it was good fun. I thought it was good fun. I think that's it's good. I thought it was good. I thought it was <laughs> well presented. I thought it was definitely backed by just the grandiosity of the moment. Mm. The fact that it was hilarious that you're like you're talking to a god, you're fighting a god. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. The score, obviously, during that moment is massively so an absolute god through the oh end. Yeah, like the, the, oh. the literal god. You know, um, <laughs> I I I, th- I thought it was good. Like I thought it. Because oh, right? there was a thing the other day when we were talking about this, it was outside of recordings, but you were saying like that pivot that they have from like a character-driven story, and we'll get to specific characters, but it definitely starts being character-driven. It's Clive and Joshua, and then it's Jill and your childhood friends, and you're back together, and it's very character-driven, and then it changes with the time jump. It becomes, and, but you still got all the character stuff in the side quests, but it becomes this like, what's humanity worth in the face of a god thing, which uh, I remember you saying like feels a lot more generic. Like, that's yeah, sort of like does. something that tons of fiction has done. Um, I don't mind that if they do something with it and I, I like the whole like the end of Blade Runner where it's like what will like, you know um, Roy Barty talks to his creator what would what would he what, a, what would humanity say to their creator mm. kind of thing I'm always like it's that specific part that is going to be whether it works or doesn't um, but yeah so like I just what do you think of I guess the general framing of it I'm conflicted because I want to try and focus on the good parts because I still enjoyed it in spite of thinking that it was a little undercooked and a little shallow and a little generic mm. in terms of what it turned into like you said you know I've seen that lot done before. I've seen the idea of fate versus freedom in a kind of heightened fantasy world or sci-fi world mm. done so much. I've seen it in Supernatural season five. You know what I mean? I've like, not seen that. <laughs> I didn't think they were doing that much with fate though. I thought they were doing a whole thing of just about freedom and the idea of like religion, like worship can only exist if you create free will and then people choose to worship. Well, that was the thing that Ultimate didn't get. Well, I, I thought, <laughs> hilariously, I thought the whole <laughs> thing was about fate and freedom. Like okay. that, that kind of binary I suppose you know mm-hmm. you've got Ultima who didn't want to instill his creations with any kind of will at all you know mm. and that's kind of what was his downfall and all the game to me was about Ultima saying that Clive like your fate is to be a puppet for us like yes. and it's Clive Mythos. obviously lashing out against that it was kind of breaking that so for me the kind of freedom and fate thing just sort of went hand in hand they mm. were sort of informing each other all mm-hmm. the way through like which one's gonna uh, win out like we, we're fighting for freedom we're fighting to make our own mistakes yes which is a is a worthy enough plot point literally the end of age of ultron as well, well like, this is it, yeah, yeah, yeah but something that i've just seen so many times it didn't detract from the fun that i was having mm. in the moment but if i'm talking about in terms of it being stopping it from hitting that upper echelon or hitting mm. me right in the heart which it admittedly didn't do that's kind of where i was at with it because i thought man you had so many interesting things at the start of this game and they've all kind of given way to what was in my opinion a more generic but still exciting and entertaining story i guess yeah it's so funny because i kind of came away with it from it thinking that it's the opposite of the last of us 2 like if the last mm. of us 2 is like bottoming out and being as like uh let's get down in the weeds and the oil and the and the ugliness of humanity as much as possible and then also reaching the conclusion of like probably shouldn't fight each other and best to go our own ways um you know and let things be and, and maybe make a family maybe that's the way to go and um, it got there by going under and back up whereas like final fantasy is like the most overly positive super endorsement of you know well, we need to be free and like I'll yeah. care for everyone and we'll all get in this together and then we've only got one earth and it's it's you know it's falling apart but we've only got one so we need to work together and they both reach the same point mm. but I was just like that's when it gets entirely subjective because I'm just like I love um, Final Fantasy's framing of that message I got Last of Us as well um, but it's just kind of funny because they're, they're both endorsements I mean Last of Us 2 and Naughty Dog are very like you know environmentalist humanist as Last of Us 2 um, you know as a game kind of thing but it, the way it gets there is like the yeah. opposite of how Final Fantasy gets there I like lo- 
don't get me wrong, I like the the message, I guess. I like the framing of Final Fantasy's story. I just, to me, it, it lacked the depth and it lacked the yeah. nuance. Oh, it does. I thought yeah, that yeah. a lot of the subjects that it brought up kind of deserved. And it, it's only frustrating to me because if it started like that and it was mm. just that all the way through, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. I wouldn't have been wanting this kind of deeper exploration. But I thought they did, or at least were, doing an interesting job in showing you like the true effects societal society wide of like the current regime like what's mm. going on what's the hierarchy of this civilization like what is the cause and effect of everything that people and institutions do in this world like for the first 15 hours or maybe even 20 mm-hmm. i thought we were really getting into the nitty gritty of that stuff but then as the scale kind of got bigger and you just, you just got ultima again a character i still really enjoyed I thought the visual design <laughs> and the menace of that character his was final transformation is awesome as well yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i just thought it reached a scale where it lacked you know, the, the threads that i was most interested in were if not dropped, kind mm. of minimized in a way that I didn't expect them to be, which was, yeah. A, it's a so funny. Be- story. Yeah, because that is every, fa- and it's not a, it's, it's something I love because of the franchise. That just is Final Fantasy. We always, right. they always give way to some insane ethereal being that represents all hatred or division or whatever it is that we've been talking about until that point. So in some cases, like in FF9, a random creature just emerges out and just, oh, actually I was behind everything the whole time. Right. And, um, and it's like, oh, okay, I have like two minutes of plot for this. It's not even plot, it's like a couple of text lines of dialogue for the final boss. And um, so it's kind of like that. It doesn't excuse it. It obviously doesn't work for newcomers. But at it, it, this stage, it is like a series trait kind of thing at this point. I thought the idea of Ultima kind of being this puppet master, again, really fun. Can't I get just... enough of consciousness, that man. <laughs> you really Every can't. Two, um, I've I... got to shatter the threads of consciousness. Got to get to this in a second. But like, I'm, I'm an idiot, and there was so <laughs> much in this plot that I didn't understand. But going back to what I was mentioning a yeah, second sorry. ago. No, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> When Ultima is kind of revealed as being the puppet master, kind of literally directly brainwashing a bunch of characters, Mm -hmm. I just thought that muted any potential conversation the game was trying to have or counterpoint to Clive's freedom um, arc Mm -hmm. about like, well, this is what freedom has got you. You know, freedom has put you in this situation. It's it's birthed these institutions. It's, It's made this inequality. It's given all of these people these petty grievances that are now being played out on the grand scale mm. with the icons. I, I know that's still reading is kind of there. It just diluted it by revealing ah. that it was ultimately Ultima and not their free will that was kind of not entirely making for these situations, mm. but certainly influencing them and making them as outrageous as they were. Yeah, he's definitely manipulating everyone. Like he's the one who assumedly put uh, Benedicta's head and delivered it to Hugo Kupka or yeah. whatever. But I, I like the whole thing and it's not fleshed out <clears throat> at all, though you can do a couple of side missions to read more about it with the uh, the Undying and the Circle of Malice and like the original religion that like was eons ago or whatever. Like cause, um, Barnabas, um, Barnabas Tham, who his name's spelled like Thamia, and that's a way cooler name, yeah. Barnabas Thamia, but it's yeah. Barnabas Tham. He's um, part of the Circle of Malice, or Mar- Malleus, or whatever they're called. And I quite like the idea of him choosing to be part of that religion. So he's he's all up for worshiping Ultima, yes. whereas like Olivier. Um, Olivia or whatever like seemed to actually be this kind of like created vessel thing that like phased away when Dion killed it. I don't know yeah. how that kid came into being. No, I have no but idea. But we'll just have to, everyone was brainwashed. That's a good point. They almost did save the Barnabas thing by revealing that, you know, he and a few other people, I think you get another section of 
a cult maybe later on in a side mission who kind yes. of want to be... That'd be the Illuminati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like want to be Ak- Akashic? Is Akashic that, is the... That right? yeah, yeah. They want to be Akashic. They want to kind of follow Ultimate to this next stage of civilization. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously a ruse, but they believe in it. I thought that was at least a bit of an interesting wrinkle, but yeah, I'm just not... I don't necessarily... <laughs> I don't necessarily like chosen one stories, and I don't like stories that reveal that every character or every villain has less agency than you suspected because there's a real villain kind of puppeteering mm. them the whole time. And mm-hmm. again, didn't ruin the story by any means, just made it less complex than I was hoping it would be. But then I don't even think, I don't even think I've got any right to criticize the story, right? Because okay. I'm an idiot, right? I have no <laughs> idea about half of the stuff that happened towards the end, especially where <laughs> Ultima's like reeling off about what the Mother Crystals really were. And Joshua's got a ultimate fragment in his chest. Yeah. That was when I was just thinking, I don't even know if I grasp what this story <laughs> is anymore. I don't understand. Like, what, like, what, why do we, why do we destroy them with the crystals? Run yeah. the crystals? What was your plan? What are you trying to do again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, we could go through his plan. His whole thing was like the mother crystals. For me, they tend to be represented like oil rigs or fracking or yeah. nuclear power or siphoning the earth juice to do something that is used for a, used for a different purpose, um, which is a theme that's in X number of other Final Fantasies, especially in Seven. Can I see if I got this right? Yes. So the mother crystals... I don't even know if I've got it right, but carry on. The mother crystals house fragments of either Ultima or Ultima's race, and Ultima's they... Race. Uh, like they obviously crystallized and they're there siphoning off the ether from the planet, I yep. think, and that's what they're doing to get enough ether to kind of yeah. Because last time they did their that, plan. they and their other on their other planet. The last time they tried that, they triggered way too much blight, and that's why they had to move and come yes, and try again. Yes, but ultimate wants Clive to demolish the mother crystals to then free those beings so they can well, no, that's return and then use the ether to. That's kind of the twist at the end is the human free will resulted in the Mother Crystals being killed because that was Sid's wish. That was him realizing that like, oh, actually, our Earth is worth something. We can't just let it be siphoned for this other race. We should do something and destroy the Mother Crystals. But then Ultima was like, aha, you've activated my trap card because all my dudes are actually inside them. And I wanted you to do it. And I wanted you to do it. And like, actually, no, there's enough power in the amount of other things that you've done because I've manipulated you so much um, to become Mythos. So actually, I can cast my spell anyway. It's cool. Which that's what leads to that big final encounter because you're just like, no, I'm going to be you before you can do that because the earth is worth more than you just siphoning it and then effing off yes hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's just, again, a kind of <laughs> a confused message perhaps because I thought, you know, as sad it. As, it, as it may be, you know, having a bunch of people be like, hey, this is causing untold damage to the planet and no one seems to realize. And if I mean, they it's do like, realize, they're ignoring it. We yes. should probably get rid of these things. Yeah. But then it... That's, it's a, just global warming. Like, it's, it's just... Like every other Final Fantasy, it's a global global warming Totally, metaphor. which I like mm-hmm. to the start with. But then to say, actually, the Mother Crystals were... Like, destroying them was actually bad? And I'm like kind of like, well, this is kind of muddying the well, it, messaging I mean, a little bit. Again, I'm not... I don't, I, I don't grasp it enough to fully criticize it, but it, it made the messaging of that which I thought initially was fine a little bit. Oh, I like that they off. sort of, they Don't play know. out, especially visually, what it would be like to follow through on what is ostensibly Final Fantasy VII's opening, like, eco-terrorist setup, yeah. where, like, you're going with Avalanche and you're detonating one of the Shinra um, reactors, and then they just take that ethos and, like, play it out across an entire game. And it's like, hey, you destroyed all these Mother Crystals, you ruined all the sources of power and everything else for all these populaces. Everyone's now displaced, the whole world's ending, the sky's, like, darkened and whatever. I just love that they played that out. And it's like, you get that in the second half of Final Fantasy, six but nowhere near as much as this and so i like them going there with that because they've never really gone there before in terms of saying hey if we actually like in real life if we just detonated all of these other all these um you know power plants and everything else what would that do to the surrounding populace see i don't think they interrogated that anywhere near enough that's my I don't issue. Think interrogate it, but i think that's a, that's how they frame the whole final encounter because it, it all contributes to earth being abused by yes. them yeah i don't know i just didn't get that you know what nah. i mean like and again from the ending, whatever, like, I was a bit confused at that point anyway, but... There is a lot coming at you with that Before then, I thought they would double down on that, like, interesting thread. Like, it's immediately after the five-year time jump, when you've destroyed the first Mother Crystal, mm-hmm. you free a bunch of bearers, and yes. then they kind of go up to Clive and, I think, Jill, and they say, we hate you, like, you've made That's our lives That's after one worse. of the time jumps. That's what I mean. Yeah, after yeah, the, yeah. yeah, after the yeah. five-year jump, That's, I think. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they're like, yeah, we made our life worse, like... This is not a good thing. And I thought that might spark a little bit of, you know, introspection from Clive and Cole mm. being like, we haven't considered the effects of our actions in the short term across an entire populace. You know, how are we going to resolve that? He has a conversation with Otto's the same one. He's like, you show that what we're doing is right. That's it. But to my knowledge, I don't think that ever comes up again. Like, in, no. in terms of the bearers that you meet or like the people you're freeing, you don't have that dialogue with the populace anymore. And I just kind of thought, like, uh, a lot of things, that was a bit of a bit of a shame because it was showing you this kind of granular consequence of your actions. And then I feel like it it, uh, like, it wasn't too interested in showing that anymore. Showing uh, you I that can't, anymore. I, 
couldn't say it was because for me it's the whole the visuals every location changes like the it's not granular to me it's not granular at all because the whole world is changing the effects of your actions are you're dooming the world for a greater good yeah but that's never interrogated is what I mean like that stuff is happening oh, that's right. like I don't need of, it to be that oh okay like that's definitely part of the wider text that's the plot of yeah. the game that's what you're doing you know you're kind of the sky literally turns pink and yeah. everyone's like it's <laughs> the end of the world but apart from Clive I think at one point going. I don't know if I should have... Should we do this? Right. And then it's it's not really explored or the effects of it aren't necessarily explored. You get that one good side mission that I really did like where the, you go to the blacksmith's um, old town because Blackthorn. Blackthorn's old town because their furnaces aren't working because they don't have any crystals to yes. light the fires and then you give them the kind of uh, replacement to magic and to allow them to for these furnaces to burn. And mm-hmm. I thought, okay, that's cool because you're having your characters realize, oh, we've stripped these people of their livelihood. How do we now build atop the society that we're like bringing yeah. down? And I thought, God, give me more of that. Uh, give me a little bit more of that throughout the game, please. That is more than enough for me. They even go back <laughs> to that at the very end as well. Like they, they show that like the world you've left behind is, is but then I love the irony in the final bit where like the kid is like, oh, I wish I had magic spells. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, such yeah, a great yeah. comment on just like humanity's like need for convenience. But we talk about how like AI is the worst thing ever and whatever else. And just like, for me, there's just, there's enough there. Like they seed enough stuff for conversations to happen regardless and um, I don't know if that's just a general sort of approach to storytelling it definitely is in regards to Final Fantasy um, that you know the writer director prefers um, but it's just one of those things where for me even just having that side mission and that final scene was enough for me to then take it and run with it kind of mm. thing like I don't need it to nail its views to the wall I like the idea that it's suggesting all these things and like the one thing they do reinforce over and over they hit you over their head with is the stuff from Clive where it's just about humanity's need for free will and like yeah. you know we need to work together and all that kind of stuff so I don't mind them taking a stance with that and leaving the rest of it open. This is the thing. That stands to me as kind of, that's the thing that I've seen before. So I right. don't need that hit on the head. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like that's, that's I've seen this <laughs> in a bunch of different media. That's like the obvious, to me, it's the obvious kind of um, message. It's like right. the obvious kind of route to go down. Whereas it's so funny because this is what I thought about the end of Death Stranding. Right, because yeah. that did nothing for me at all, and I was like, "Yeah, obviously we need to work together." Well, t- yeah. but because they make you, because you can play through this like post-apocalypse, and that everything changes, and, and all the people that you've grown attached to are then having their lives affected, and everything. I was, that's why it's weaved into the game so much more here. Ah, man, I just like or it was for me. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I say, I'm buzzing like you got all this from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just that the stuff that it didn't interrogate and didn't hit you over the head with that was the stuff where I was like, "This is." compelling material. Like, yeah. I want to know more about this. Stop going back to the freedom trumps everything thing because of course <laughs> it does. Like, that's that's the plot of so many games and so many movies. But is that not like in, fascinating though because so many like the idea of conforming to something whether it be a religion or a societal standard or like whatever like, that is the ongoing thing that we have. Like especially globally like there's different approaches to it. There's different like obviously different religions. There's different um, cultures and everything else. There are different rule sets. There's yeah. everyone searching for a level of happiness. Like I do think that's a very relevant thing. This is what I mean. This is what I was referring to before mm-hmm. that I wanted them to interrogate more, but I thought was diluted by Ultima just being this kind of puppet um, master. That's I, I, what you just said. Very interesting. I just th- think <laughs> I thought it became too shallow. I thought it became too <sighs> it reduced those interesting concepts to um, a guy who represents freedom and a guy who represents fate, and let's 
That's how oh, we I thought, fight, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mostly agree apart from, to me, like, Ultima just represents division. Like, he talks about separating consciousness, which is, you can, you know, like, that, that idea of separating whatever, whatever it is that brings humans together, whatever that makes us care about our fellow person. And he says, oh, it must be consciousness. They must have some sort of link that I just can't understand. Yeah. I need to separate that thing. Um, so he just represents the idea of division or the idea of not being able to work together mm. um, and just siphoning the world for the next thing, just moving on from it, which I think uh, in regards to, you know, the way that it's written, like I said, legacy-wise, whatever, Final Fantasy has these big environmentalist themes about not taking the world for granted and not just, um, you know, siphoning whatever earth juice we're taking out of it. It's literally called the life force in Final Fantasy VII, yeah. and it's ether in this one. Um, so I liked all that stuff, but it, it is all wider thematic stuff. I just think that, like, I don't know, I, I was never expecting, I guess I wasn't necessarily expecting anything in particular, but I wasn't, I, I'm not at a loss for it. It's definitely, there's, yeah. a, there's plenty to to dive into for me. And like I say, there, there isn't for me, but it's only frustrating and I only dwell on it because I thought they initially brought up a bunch of interesting threads, mm. and it was just for me, in my opinion, didn't necessarily think they followed followed them through to their natural conclusion or really got anywhere with mm. them. I have the same issue with the characters, again. Oh, so we talk about characters. Yeah, love all the characters. Mm. Like, well, I love most of the characters. <laughs> I love most of the characters. Um, but I liked a lot of them. Uh -huh. I liked spending time with them. I liked having them in my party. I liked hanging out with them yeah. at the hideaway. I just thought, like the threads I've mentioned, a lot of them have absolutely incredible introductions, have rock-solid motivations mm. that then ultimately just the game is not interested in following up on, and then they just oh. kind of become a stock version of themselves until the end oh, of the I, game. I, I definitely that. think that for Jill. I, I yeah. think Jill's like, and the way that she's sort of painted, if you just go with literally what's, what's on paper, what we see, she fundamentally chooses to not be a dominant. She doesn't want to be one. She wants to give it up. She was forced to be a dominant and a tool of war when she was imprisoned and she doesn't want to do it anymore. So she's like, says to Clive, just take it from me. Just take this power. And I do think that in that scene, you know, Clive sort of is a bit too fast with it. He sort of does it immediately. Yeah. And then Joshua punches him in the face for it because he's love like, that. look. Yeah, I love that. And it's like, I like that they are acknowledging the fact that she could have been part of this final fight and she should have been considering how strong she is for the majority of the rest of the game. And one of my favorite scenes is when you go to the Ironbloods and she fights back against the dude that was her captor uh, earlier on. That's a great scene. And yeah. I love her using her Shiva form, which she never uses hardly anywhere else, which you can justify by her saying she just doesn't want to do that anymore. She doesn't even want to entertain it. Um, what movie is it where the guy doesn't want to pick up a gun and he picks up a gun at the end? It's a thing. But it reminds me of that. Yeah. And um, Rambo, maybe, or uh, something like that. It reminds me of that. And I'm sort of like, I get that, I get all of that, but at the same time, she could have just been part of the final fight. And also, before Clive takes her power, she's just on the floor not doing anything during the Bahamut fight. Yeah. When it's like, you can clearly go Shiva, you're just stuck in a bedroom with Annabelle and Olivier, you could be way more. I do have my problems with where Jill ultimately ends up, but with it's hard, because it, mm. on one hand, I can see why she's not involved in those fights as much as she is, because, you know, it's said in the game that apparently her constant transformations into Shiva and her use of magic are, like, taking a toll on her body, and every, t every time she saves Clive in her icon form, when he can't transform initially, mm. he's always like, I'm so sorry you had to do that, I'm so sorry you've b borne the burden again, mm. and I wasn't able to transform, I wasn't able to, you know, be the soldier and the shield that I could be because it's it's killing you every yeah. time you do this. I thought that was interesting enough. I just kind of thought they fumbled the bag a bit on it because it's never really clear exactly how much danger Jill is in, in my opinion, when you get that scene on the beach where they're both like, you know, they both got no clothes on. Mm. I thought then you would maybe see the kind of toll that the okay. constant transformations have took on her body like you see with Sid. You know, you mm. see him starting to turn to the curse. Mm -hmm. But Jill, to my knowledge, has no kind of outward 
Um, I just, it's just so funny. I didn't even notice that thing about her dying or whatever it was. Right, like, right, I, that yeah. must be one of the active time law things. No, it's mentioned a, well, it's mentioned a few times, funnily enough, in the cutscenes earlier on. I'm when, at all. You know, Taja, Taja. Yes, Taja. Like, uh, when you talk with her, like, she's always, like, getting Jill out from Oh, like, yeah, you get that flower fight, for know? her and stuff. Yeah, but, like, uh, you know, she's always talking about, like, how Jill's pushing her body, how she can't, like, take anymore. Mm. A few times early on in the game. Um, and apparently, you know, Jill's getting sick of it. So it's like never like I did. I do remember them. I just I, yeah, I didn't take it as like an overarching like right. oh she's like she can't be with you because she's with you in the field all the time and she doesn't talk about it. So I was just like, oh that's like a temporary thing. We fixed it and she's fine now. Right, right. I right. didn't well, think of it as an overarching. What thing. is it? My my point is like stuff like that could be better defined because even though I picked up on that stuff, mm. I question it towards the end when she didn't have any kind of um, scars or she wasn't turning to stone or anything mm. on like that was visible on her body so I was kind of a little bit confused with the message of is this hurting her <laughs> is it not hurting her why is she giving this power up why doesn't she want to do it they do so much back and forth stuff with um who can take the powers what can people do after they've had their powers taken like um benedicta has her power taken but then she goes um whatever they call it she gets like super primed and she turns yes. into like a version of garuda um joshua can just become the phoenix and yeah. then can go back and forward even though he's given some of his power to clive uh dion can still become bahamut at the end they explain all of it and i'm fine with this as a huge anime and Final Fantasy fan, they just say it's willpower. Yeah. Which is like Metal Gear 4's ending got by on Solid Snake just having will. So Again, it's like, it's just measures of will. Fine apparently. with it, but I was like, it was, it was towards the end where Dion's talking about, well, these are the guys could prime. And <laughs> Clive's like, yeah, but they lost their mind. You know, your will needs to be stronger. And yeah. Dion goes, it will be. And then it is. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, that's fair. Okay, I thought that would go somewhere <laughs> and have like a more dramatic resolution. Right, like is he going to be able to do it? Yeah, is yeah. he going to be able to do it? Is he going to get like a scene? What's he going to do to get in that mind space? But that just is the just answer. And I'm fine with that because it's the end of the game. Okay, but when I'm talking about the game reaching that next level for me, <laughs> it's stuff like that where I just kind of think, okay, I can see the shortcuts you're taking out. It's so the- funny. It's like their budget didn't have enough uh, in there to make a character model of Dion Prime because they just don't have that. They have Dion and they have Bahamut, they don't have the middle stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, that bit when they just jump off the balcony, because I was like, are you not going to, I mean, I think he kisses Jill goodbye, and I was like, okay, thank the Lord you've given, the, like, there's like more of an end point, because I love the scene in the field. I yes, really love them as yeah. a couple. I actually really, really, really love them as a couple. I was rooting for them. I was so glad they got together. Um, but yeah, at the end, when, um, you know, he goes to kiss her goodbye, or whatever, and they just dive off the end of the balcony. Yeah. And I was like, that's a bit risky, isn't it, boys? Yeah. Like, I mean, what are you going to do all that? And then they fly out, and it's like this big triumphant thing, but then obviously she's just kind of left to just sort of watch them and cry. And I was like, that's a bit a bit lame for Jill, but um, for Bahamut, for Dion, his will only gets them into that area, and then yeah. he gets blown out the sky anyway, and he dies, like, you know, saying he's done right by his father. So I, I quite like that as an end point. I like Dion more than most characters. I just thought he was another one that after his section of the game is done, mm. um, he doesn't really get much more development after that. I thought he would get more Ooh. focus. Like, he goes away, he goes to, like, that village after the destruction of his city, after he's killed his father and mm-hmm. gone on that rampage. I thought, considering it was implied that he killed probably thousands and thousands of his own people, that might be addressed in a way. He does! He says he's, he says his, he can't possibly have his honor back because he's wiped out too many people. Yeah, but then he's joking back at the hideaway after that is my issue. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you mean, joking about what? Well, he's just laughing on at the end of the game. <laughs> he knows like, he's done. How have, we got, how have we got to this point, you know? He's still got to get through the day. He does, he does. I just kind of thought, 
that was another situation where I thought the consequences would have been bigger. I thought <sighs> we would have wrangled something internally um, a oh, little bit more than the game did. Like, I love Dion as a character. I love that starting point. I think the best section of the game, maybe story-wise, is everything that's going on with stopping him and him going against his father. Yeah. And the, 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 the drama surrounding that, it's just that that was so interesting, again, that when it kind of stopped or was minimized, in my mm. opinion, after his section was done. I kind of thought, but you got so much you could do with him. You could have such an impact on this story. And he kind of ultimately turns up to die. And I thought, Wah. Yeah, but that's all he's, at that point, that's all he's worth. That's what he says. He's like- To himself. Yeah. Is that not an, like, to me, that's an arc to overcome. It's 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 an acceptance. Well, he, it's like- yeah. yeah. I think, but at that point, he's choosing, to, he's like, I'll do one last thing. Like, because yeah. it's like, he says he's too far damned. Like, he's become this tool of war. Like, he's done. This is it. He says that, but I just thought it would have been fascinating for these characters, especially Joshua, who it's implied has, like, a really strong relationship mm. with. Like, he's crying once Dion dies, and he's the last person there. Dion saves him. Mm -hmm. I thought, like, they would have tried to argue against it. Be like, come on, guy. <laughs> you can, uh, you, you've you got more to your life than this. Like, you can come back from this. Like, I guess that you was could rage. Ultima's involved, you know? True. I just thought there was stuff there, even if you get to the same conclusion, mm. to kind of talk through. Oh, you know, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I guess if I'm gonna, I, my defense for that is that like maybe those conversations would have happened if they all survived. But mm. like he gets taken out by Ultima, so it's like an Ultima. He's ultimately like a product of Ultima's machinations anyway. Um, I never remember Prince Dion's dad, but all the stuff that his dad was doing. Yes, and Olivia and, and uh, Annabelle. But um, yeah, the way that it all kind of plays out, the fact that they have all this insane lore that like Vivian Ninetales and Hippocrates are telling you all about, and then they go, oh, actually Ultima was largely behind all of this, all this division between people, all however it came about, what, what you know, whatever reason, any one person wanted to take over any piece of territory, that was Ultima. That was yeah. like the consciousness, um, you know, from him and whatever else, even though he was like in a crystal, he was waiting to be on Earth. There's a whole weird thing over there with that. Um, but I like the idea of like him sort of manifesting and becoming division and you having to you know, rally the troops and, and fight for free will and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff totally worked for me. Um, I think overall, though, and we talked about this uh, bits and pieces in the office and stuff, the actual timeline of events is kind of messy mm. in terms of, like, they jump five years, but why didn't Joshua just check in? Yeah. Just sort of tell Claire, hey, by the way, I'm alive. Just, hey, babe, letting you know. I don't, it's, it's not necessarily. Just keeping Ultima away from him, I guess? Yeah, I guess. I guess he probably thinks that if he turns up. Just like, send Yote in. That's what I thought. You yeah. know, just, come on, just. Give him a little bit send of... Send a stolus. He saw you. You know what I mean? He, <laughs> yeah, he, saw, he saw you. <laughs> just just send him a stolus and says, yeah. all right, Clive, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm alive. Don't worry about us. Little, I know you're going to worry about us, but I'm away doing some serious yeah, little business. little note and a pin on the chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might see you one day. Joshua was here. See you later, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, Joshua <laughs> was here. At all. You know, like, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that in the game that I... I, I kind of loathe even bringing it up because it doesn't. Mm. I don't want to appear like I'm nitpicking, but just kind of funny things that I enjoyed all the same. Like at the end, where they're talking about, oh, we need something that something that flies, something that can get us to right. this final mother crystal. And Joshua was there, a phoenix who was flown throughout the game, and I'm thinking. <laughs> Why don't we just hitch a ride at him? And like then out the wings, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, the Dion says, "Well, I'm Bahamut. I can get you guys there." But it, it just took a little, little bit too long. I was like, "Why is this even?" Do a you know problem? what I think that was? Because they they tease it twice. Um, I think that was the tease of an airship. Because every Final yes. Fantasy game has an airship, apart from fifteen. Although even then, you get the car that flies. Um, and when they went in that territory at all, I bounced off the ceiling. That bit when you have to get all the components for uh, mid. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's going to be, oh my God, we're going to take to the skies. I was like, how are they even going to do that render-wise? Because we're yeah. going to fly over all the corridors. Like, it's not going to make any sense. Um, and then it's just a ship and it's a cutscene. It's the Odin thing and it's a great fight. And 
whatever. But I was like, okay, fine. Like the design of it still looks like a lot of the older ones anyway. Um, and then at the end, when they and you get more components for her yeah. uh, and engine and everything, and I was like, are we going to take to the skies yeah, for the final yeah. thing? And then they mentioned it again. And I was, I thought mid was going to come in and be like, we can do that. <laughs> and so I thought all of that was just a nod to like thirty years of airships. And don't get me wrong, I'm bringing these up because I thought they were silly in a good way. You no, know, no, I no think, they're great. I think the game is better with that stuff in because I can laugh about it and I can have a good time with yes. it. I can be there and say, go on, Joshua, you know, just <laughs> get those wings out, fly them up, let's have a fun time with it. That kind of level of nitpicking, I, I don't really see as like a proper criticism mm. of the story. It's probably the other stuff that kind of more thematic and arc-based stuff that I have a, a real issue with. This is just yeah. like video game silliness that no, I like I think, uh, being involved. You know, they set up this world that is meticulously designed. They give you two lore characters. Yeah. Like, you know, they actually really set aside the time and the resources. Like, Vivian Ninetales has a two separate menu things that are, like, full of animations and timelines. Like, I just, I love that stuff so much. And, like, they set up this world of, like, everything is, is tightly knit. Like, oh, try and pick a fault with all rules. Yeah. And you can very easily. <laughs> and so it's one of those things that I think that's completely valid. Um, even though I I love the vast, vast majority of what they set up in the history of Alastair and everything else. There were some things that I, again, this is not a major criticism, but I just didn't pick up on it until right at the end. Like when Ultima, oh no, when Clive, I think, said, you know, these villains that I beat, Benedicta and Hugo, I Hugo think. Kupka, yeah. Yeah, Hugo, yeah, Kupka. Mm-hmm. Uh, these villains that I beat, uh, I took their powers and then they were able to prime anywhere, but they were mad in, yes. the, in the icon had taken control. In that you moment- that the Garuda fight. Oh, I guess not. Well, this is the thing. I didn't. I didn't get it. I missed that, and I was. I was thinking, is that what was happening? Was it? So again, probably a me thing. The game is so big and so dense. I probably just missed it. It's um, only like one line. It's. I think Sid says something like, "Oh, she lost her mind" or something. Like it's just a very throwaway thing. Like, oh, without because you took part of it, um, she couldn't control the rest of it. It's very ah, like thrown okay. away. Yeah, I would have like. That it's very low in my head, probably. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe I wouldn't have taken it in that way. I probably just thought like her as the character after mm. lost so much, like went crazy as Benedicta and as the icon. I didn't realize that separation was happening again. Not a major criticism. No, but they a, play fast and loose with all that stuff. That's it. Just a funny thing that I didn't pick up on until mm. he mentioned it at the end, and it kind of reframed everything I thought. And I bet there's a lot of lines like that that I probably took at face value mm. or didn't even register at all. Well, that I kind mean, of have these significant meanings, which yeah. is which is fun. It, it facilitates, you know replayability it facilitates online discussion which I'm all here for yeah man well I mean the fact that like Bahamut even appears at the end is because of one line saying my will needs to be stronger like that's all we have yeah for that whole thing um but yeah any other thoughts um well I want to Talk about some nice things if we've yes. got time. I don't <laughs> we've know if done, we've done a nice mix. Have we done a nice mix? We've done 53 English minutes. What do you like okay, to do? Okay, let's end on something good, which okay. is like the, for me, the big major set pieces in the story, which are primarily the icon fights, yeah. which were absolutely incredible. Love Favorite. those. Favorite, probably. I really love the Bahamut one. Yep. I just think the visuals of that going to space is When they fuse, I was like, this is some Dragon Ball. I'm all for it. Madness. So Dragon Ball. <laughs> love that moment when they fused. And I, oh man. Like Ben Starr going like, <laughs> Yes, I were enough. You know, like just absolutely twatting each other in space. That was great. And I did love, I love the Kupka one because I yeah. think that was the one for me apart from Ultima. And maybe Barnabas a little bit. I love the Odin fight, man. I, yeah. I know you weren't massive on it, but I, or maybe you were, but well, I, I love the Barnabas fight. Let's chat about it's it. For the music's incredible. For me, Kupka worked because I liked the, um, you know, the feeling of revenge you had going mm. up against him. Obviously, he 
um, attacks the hideaway, kills all the people, well, a lot of people there, mm. ruins that for you. You've kind of been waiting five years in game time to get back at him. He's been waiting to get back at you. I just mm. thought the rivalry between you and him was really well explored there. I love it. You chop his hands off. Yeah. And then you have to go have a rematch <laughs> with him. Um, Which is also the first time the game goes into that other gear of like, oh, we're going to put a song in the background and yeah. we're going to go fight this giant Titan thing. Yeah. So having that section and then the um, Bahamut section, like back to back, more or less, I just thought the game's found its groove, at least <laughs> in the story mode, where it's just escalating and it's hitting it out of the park. It's being ambitious. The fights are really cool um yeah really enjoyed that mm-hmm. entire 10 hour string or whatever it was oh, that whole bit in the middle yeah the whole thing where they sort of go like hey we do i remember beforehand i forget who was talking about final fantasy 16 coming out and they were like oh it's a real test of the playstation 5 like it is if you want something that'll show off what this system can do it's this game it's not a first party thing it's this and i was like i wonder what they've got in there like mm. some of it is the instant loading which i think i really like massively appreciate yeah. um you can just go anywhere and it instantly loads but the scale of those fights the speed of them the way you go between all these different types of gameplay sometimes yes. it's an on-rail shooter for a bit and then it's a, a quick time event or it's a combat thing doing like full on like Devil May Cry or Bayonetta combos as a free is yeah. hilarious um, yes. and then when you get the Phoenix um, merge thing when you become uh, a free risen and you're just like zipping through space to do more combos I was like this is this is definitely a choice and the game has so much fun with it like yeah. I love the final um super punch that you do on ultimate yes. there's like 99999 damage it's just the game is on the bird like <laughs> 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 you tap it square. You've already connected, but you're like, oh. yeah. <laughs> it's like you're tr- drilling his, you're drilling your fist like through his face, through a god's face. That stuff. That's why I. That's why, despite all my criticisms, I still had a lot of fun with it. I still love talking about it because those moments are hysterical in a good way. Yeah. You know, the game's having fun. You're having fun. It knows what Take it is. Take that division. Literally, literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is free will punching you in the face. Yes. Um, which which I, I, I can't deny was uh, an absolute oh, so good. spectacle. <laughs> Stuff like that I loved. Um, yeah, the Odin fight, uh, sorry, the Barnabas fight, because you get a little bit of the Odin fight more so in the cutscene when you do the, the sea mission with the whole yeah. parting of the waves and everything. Oh, what a lovely, <laughs> again, another great set piece. Yeah. I love that visual of being on the sea and then having the sea be parted and you're down there fighting it. Sorry for jumping in, just nope. needed to shout out one other thing I like. No, the man, the, the bit when they say it's, oh, Odin's blade is so strong, it like it bends creation itself. And oh, yeah. what's that going to look like when he swings it? Oh, it carves the earth. Like, oh, yes. that's great. That was some like a Sura's Wrath type stuff. And uh, yeah, you fight like in the in the waves themselves, but it's not that fight that I love, even though I think it's it's fine enough. It's when you fight him in front of the Ultima statue um, and it's one of the best pieces of music in the game. I don't know its name yet because the soundtrack's not out yet, um, but it's that piece. It's calls back to the uh, Phoenix of Frit music from the very beginning. Yeah. Has some of the same kind of um, pieces and parts to it. There's a whole bit in the middle where the um, grandiosity kind of goes out of it and it becomes this really gorgeous melodic piece in the middle mm. and you're just trading blows with them, dodging everything and, and I was like, yeah, this idea of like humans waging war on each other will just go on for eons. It is just something we seem to be unable to get rid of um, and it's almost like the dance of death kind of side of it where I was like, yeah. this is just magnificent. Like if this was on, on stage or part of a theater show or something like that, I can, there's always that part of Final Fantasy that they tap into, like their, their influences are, you know, the greatest pieces of art in the world or mm. stage shows or whatever it is. And it was just things like that where I was like, this is like magnificent. Like this yeah. is absolutely beautiful. And uh, and I absolutely loved it. And I love what the story meant at that point. I think he was a fun enough character, but they didn't do much with him. Yes. He's kind of just like the generic, oh, I, I'm, I believe the religious maniac kind of dude. And that was kind of it. I like... I like him in theory. I mm. thought the fight itself is great. You know, I don't think any boss fight in the game is bad mm. at all. And that includes like the side missions and the hunts. Mm-hmm. It's just that with the bar raised so much for the 
previous two. Yeah. I kind of felt like it didn't continue to raise it and maybe fell a little bit under it for me, but still a great fight. And I think what bolsters it is the amount of times you actually fight him previously and yeah. you don't touch him. You know, he's presented as this, maybe for the first time in the entire game, actually, this absolute insane powerhouse of a threat. Mm-hmm. You can't even touch him with your sword. He mm-hmm. will... When he looks at you, you die about Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he, like, what does he do? Sever all of the sinews in, like, Clive's body, you yeah. know, with one That's so strike random. of his sword. <laughs> and then Clive comes back because the game is insane. Um, I don't know, and I'm just saying this for anyone who's listening or watching or whatever, I don't know if that's just a reference to Demon Slayer. Okay. There's a move in Demon Slayer where I'm sure it's Tanjiro that just has all of his muscles cut or something. It makes, yeah. no, it makes no sense. You'd yeah. be a puddle on the floor. Yeah. Um, but he recovers from it, and I'm just like, is that what you guys were doing? This is this is where I talk about like the kind of spectacle of the game, kind of being not let down by its story, but it made me distracted by its story mm. in the Barnabas moments because I was constantly thinking... We just got our asses kicked by him once and then twice. Like, how are we fighting him mm. in the final battle with him? I know we've got Jill's powers by then, but the game, to me, didn't really do much with Clive um, powering up, mm. for lack of a better term, to take him on. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, as much as I loved the parting of the sea set piece, there's a mo- moment where Clive, having just almost died to this guy <laughs> in one swing of the sword, jumps ship, leaves... The leaves Barnabas with yeah, his with brother, who he's supposed to like be the shield of, and I'm like, if you just got your ass kicked, yeah. what do you expect he's going to do with like, these people? Like, I, I I was shocked that they got out. Everyone got out of that yeah. fight alive. You Same. know, yeah. he does that two or three times where he's like, I'm your shield. I'm never, I'm never leaving you. I'm going to jump away. Just smash cut. <laughs> Jumps away. There's one bit when Joshua goes down into the um, like a staircase back at Phoenix Gate to get like the history of everything by himself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Clive, aren't you going to be there? <laughs> Isn't that the one thing you're doing? Um, but they just he's got other places to be apparently. So it's just, it doesn't matter. But um, but yeah, all that stuff, like you said, the spectacle side of it, like that's one of the coolest set pieces they have. Like yeah. that whole, like um, the ship fight that they do is really, really cool. Um, I think by far, even the biggest detractors of the game can agree on the music and on the boss fights. Like yes. those are the biggest, like if we ever do, what well, we will do later in the year, moments of the year, yeah. um, maybe the Bahamut fight is the moment of the year. Like, I guess we'll see what else happens. And this is this is it, man. Like if, if, every, if my criticisms were only what I mentioned there about these, what I perceive to be like character, um, you know, illogical character mm. moments that I can laugh about and find quite <laughs> silly. I'd probably love the game more than I do. It's just the the whole game isn't that. It's It tries to be more, yeah. I think, and doesn't quite nail it. And that's where my problems come in because the absolute high octane anime as F <laughs> stuff works even when it doesn't work yeah. for me, if that makes sense. Whereas the Game of Thrones kind of headier political narrative, um, when that doesn't work, mm. it doesn't work for me. I'd say what's fascinating is like, because recently I, uh, I've been playing through Final Fantasy 4 and 6. I finished both of them. I'd started 6 loads over the years, but I never finished it. So I went back to it. I finished Final Fantasy 6. I went into 16. Then I went into Final Fantasy 4 when I finished that. And now I'm going back through the original one and um, just to mop up everything that I've never done before. And it's weird thinking about how nearly every Final Fantasy <clears throat> is like this like beautiful mess. Mm. Like it's like Final Fantasy 7 in the West was translated by one dude who got the plot wrong. Right. Or at least mixed a, m- missed a couple of the lines. I know it's like people have love that game so do I yeah. but um, but stuff like that where they fundamentally miss explaining what Sephiroth actually is it was one of, it's like one of the most legendary mistranslations of all time um, it's like Final Fantasy 8's Final Twist is ludicrous like Final Fantasy Final Fantasy 9 is like maybe one of the only ones that front to back makes perfect sense apart right. from the very last boss mm-hmm. and then you've just got this, and nearly every single one of them has something where something's kind of gone awry Final Fantasy 15 and 13 
were kind of like from the same dev cycle and they were both like split off into different games. It's just like... Like 14 started, everyone hated it, had to be completely rebooted, you know? 11 was like the first MMO one that then got taken offline and like it's like there's like fan servers or whatever it is now and it's like nearly every single one has like it goes in like 50 directions at once and it's kind of what makes it so impressive and ambitious and that's why people love them so much and you can get so lost in those worlds and I find that people find different things in there to fall in love with and so I think 16 is is still in that vein yeah but it's it's not that the messy parts aren't there yeah. it's just that like there's something about just the the scale of it all that that's like it's it. just like it's unlike anything else and look I've criticized it all throughout this episode but it's not that <laughs> the messy parts also can't be really enjoyable for what they are either you know some of the stuff that I, I don't like some of the messy parts I love because it still has a lot of charm mm. it still has a lot of personality you can tell a lot of people charms cared. what they always have yeah, yeah well yeah that's it. And it it you know it makes me interested in those other Final Fantasy games ultimately probably more to um, read about and talk about than play <laughs> for the love but, of God you know it is what it play is play one of the old ones here's the thing my ultimate my ultimate hey. kind of review of Final Fantasy 16 is that I wish it was either a 20-hour experience of the elements that are in there, focused with the bloat cut out, with the repetition cut out, mm. mostly just the main side missions and the main story beats. I think I would have loved it then, okay. or I would have loved it if it was an 80 to 100-hour true RPG with complex upgrade systems mm. and leveling up systems. It's because it comes right down the middle, in my opinion, trying to please both sides, mm. that I can't love it. I can call it a good game. I can call it a recommendable game. But I can't say it's one that I enjoyed fully front to back. But it does have insane highs that made it worthwhile, made it fun to talk about in this podcast. Yeah, and, uh, made it worth just experience in general. I love, there's one thing that I love, it's video games that you know you're going to talk about that aren't mm. so straightforward, cut and dry. Yeah, that was fine, that was good, that's fine, 8 out of 10, whatever, 9 out of 10. Um, there's something about the kind of games that are reaching for stuff, and they might, st- and h- hilariously, ironically, like the message of the game, they might stumble to get there, oh, but good. it's got to be done because it's free will. And uh, I love that stuff, and as I was playing through it, um, I, was just, I was just waiting for us to be able to talk about it, and yeah. I, every, nearly every night you've messaged me, or I've messaged you, yeah, going, like, how far are you now? And, um, and it's really, really cool to just get through that stuff. So I think regardless of where you come down on it, it's just good to be able to talk about Final Fantasy and yeah. look at the different things that they're trying. And you talk about each one being a mess. I've only played three <laughs> Final Fantasy games so far, only two what you'd class as main installments, and even one of them was a remake. But I think That's been Crisis Core 7 remake and then 16. Thank you for clarifying. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are the three games that I traded in Crisis Core because I couldn't <laughs> deal with it. But I think it's a testament to the series' charm and what it has going for it that I keep trying. Like yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake, I look on fondly now mm. as one of my favorite experiences on the PlayStation 4, but I hated parts of that. I couldn't wait for that game to be done. Like Some of the rep- repetitious side stuff you do in that game was the most angry I've ever been playing a game, right. but now I'm out of Just it. Just find these nine cats, mate. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm out of it, now I'm not playing it. I look back on it fondly, so I'm very intrigued yeah. as to whether 16 will have the same effects. I didn't hate the bad parts of this anywhere near as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wonder if in a year's time where you're talking at a podcast talking about the best PS5 games, mm. and I'm going, Final Fantasy 16, what a good game, yeah, wasn't maybe it? a little bit of distance from it. Yeah, forgetting what it was like to actually play it through every <laughs> second of it, you know? I would love if you ever found the time or the inclination for you to try Final Fantasy 6, 7, or 9. I think something like six has the mechanical depth that you're after. How about um, this? Go on. I don't play those games. You won't. And I'll play... 
Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise <laughs> and Final Fantasy 13. And then you'll tell me you played a real Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 13 kind of counts. I'll die again. Counts. Adam Strong from the main channel loves Final Fantasy 13, but he's go. insane. But anyway, <laughs> this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard and seen by all of you, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. See you later. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.